Welcome to My Shitty Podcast. So shitty, it only has one T. I'm your host, Adam Copeland. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for going on iTunes and writing a review. But most importantly, thanks for telling a friend. Awareness, man. That's what it's all about. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Listeners, subscribers, that's what it's all about, man. Um, Yeah, if you enjoy the show, tell a buddy. Tell somebody that enjoys podcasts. Uh, helps me out a ton. Um, I want to thank my guest Micah for coming on and talking about uh, his profession. He's a great, sp- uh, great, sp- great storyteller. Um, so uh, strap in. There's an amazing story um, in the middle about his uh, about his work, and uh, and also an amazing story about poop at the end, as always. So without further ado. Um, Let's let the cat out of the bag. Gling, 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 gling. Such a shitty ukulele. <laughs> uh, cool, man. Uh, we can get started if Great. you're ready. I am ready. Uh, let me get untangled here. Awesome. Move this microphone here. Okay. Cool. All right. Why don't we get started with uh, you introducing yourself and telling us who you are and what you do for a living. All right. So uh, my name is Micah Evans. I um, am a glass artist, sculptor, uh, designer. Uh-huh. And um, I've been doing that for about 18 years, um, making my own work and then recently designing for other people. Awesome, man. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, why... Why did you get into glass? Like, what was what was, well, what was your driving force there? I like, usually I usually start this one with like I just smoked a lot of weed in college. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but um, I've always been uh, kind of more artistic leaning than um, kind of the rest of my family or where I, people where I grew up. But um, glass was kind of fascinating uh-huh. from very early on. I remember vividly a couple times seeing it when I was um, young and and thinking that it was. Uh, it was made up like that was special effects. Like that can't actually be what yeah. happens. That's not how this stuff you know, it's, occurs. It's yeah, it's crazy. pretty. It's pretty amazing. Um, just yeah. As a like that was one of my first questions, just because like that's that's a crazy like art medium. If you're gonna go like I'm gonna express myself yeah. via glass, like okay, that's cool yeah. and seems pretty expensive. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, the thing. Is it's, <laughs> It's uh, I I describe glass blowing I and mean, glass blowers in general as more of a disorder than an art form because it's um, <laughs> really expensive. It it doesn't want to you know sometimes it wants to to participate in the you know in the whole thing and sometimes it doesn't. It's just a difficult medium to work in. Yeah, and um, a bit dangerous. Uh, and uh, yeah, the overhead is crazy. Yeah, but um, once you touch it, if you have that glass gene in you, um. It, it, I think it attracts people with like ADD because you have to pay attention to ten to twenty things at once to get it to behave, um, and and once you get satiated in that way, if you've had problems paying attention to things, once all of a sudden something makes sense because you have to pay attention to everything, mm-hmm. it's no longer a choice. It's just your lifestyle. Yeah. And so a lot of people in, in glass, um, that's all they think about, and I'm one of those. Yeah. For about twenty years, almost. Nice yeah. man. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so. Would you consider yourself like someone with ADD? Do you oh, think yeah. That's what you yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> Why do you say little, that? Is it just well, like you I, have to have a lot of things, a lot of irons in the fire? Uh, pardon the pun. Yeah, it's kind of that balance of learning disabilities. So I'm, I'm um, dyslexic. 
Uh huh. And so I, I believe always, it's Liz Dexic. Yeah, something. Like <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear about the dyslexic dog that uh, thought he was God? Oh shit! It's a terrible joke. It's I know so it stupid. too, and I can't remember. <laughs> the God dog yes. backwards for I don't know. Whatever. It was too easy. Yeah. I'm sitting here. Uh, yeah, and you're like, it's, it's it can't be that dumb yeah. of a joke. No, there's gonna is, be more it to it. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, nope, it's it's That's stupid. It. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> Sorry, another bad dad joke. I tried to warn you, man. They're gonna hey. come out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you stumped me on the first one. I told you I was like I got them all. Oh man, um, yeah, it's uh, but yeah, so it's um, it was one of those things where I always learned differently, and then um, I don't know if it was as much ADD focused as it was learning visually and developing in a way that that allowed me to pick up things in a way that really fit into learning how to blow glass. You know? Yeah, uh, I so yeah, but it's true in college. Um, smoked a lot of weed, dropped out to, to go pro, smoke weed full time, <laughs> could no longer compete in the Olympics. That's uh, awesome. And, um, we, uh, uh, I had a roommate at the time. We went to pick up a, uh, a pipe for a friend's birthday from a glass blowing studio. And I walked in and saw, you know, it was probably a, you know, a, a room that was way too small to be doing this, but about 12 hippies blowing glass and, um, I was like, you can fucking do this? Yeah, man. Like, it's this easy. Not easy, but it was like there wasn't a huge operation, and it was glass blowing in a different way. Um, I can kind of define that later. But anyway, um, it was a. it's always been kind of a weird blowing, making pipes especially, uh-huh. has been in this weird gray area of the law. And so a lot of these studios, this was back in 1999, excuse me, um, a lot of these studios were kind of closed environments, meaning they it wasn't open to the public. He had to have an appointment to get in because mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily legal. And they, a lot of times they're doing it in places where they definitely shouldn't have been. Like now this place is a chiropractor's office. And this was, there were like 18 glassblowers in this little office. Oh. Um, but um, yeah, the owner was like, uh, we don't really want people to hang out. But I was sitting there with my sketchbook and I was doing like these weird little sketches, like life drawings of the of the um, glassblowers. But he, he was really excited that, I was being creative, and I was paying attention, and I was quiet, and he loved the drawings. He told me I could come back any time as long as I was sketching. And so I hung out for two years with my sketchbook. Nice. Um, yeah, and just rolled joints for the dudes when they needed, you know, kept them on the torch so they didn't have to get off to roll a joint. And, yeah. Um, eventually, they just kind of were like, well, there's a spot open. You want to give it a shot? And uh, two months later, I quit my day job, which was a horrible decision. But <laughs> it was good. It forced me to make a living at it real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, whenever you're starving, uh, yeah. you tend to get pretty good it's at It's funny. Uh, the thing. And life was much simpler back then. You know, I had like eight roommates and, you know, rent was $195. And um, Piece of cake. Yeah, right? I didn't have any bills or life, you know, or life experience. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a little less daunting than it would be now. Um, but, yeah, it was... It was uh, it was great. It was exactly what I was m- meant to do. I don't know if that's... If I, I feel like that's just a little too froofy for me, but it's true. It's just like as soon as I touched it, I knew that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why do you feel like um, having like a learning disability sort of like drew you to said profession like what yeah so that whole two years of watching it too yeah is it just like because it's not numbers and yeah letters a lot of times like making things by hand there's a bit of things you can do on the on the chalkboard and out of a book yeah a lot of it is muscle memory and repetition and watching and doing and repeating yeah and i'd kind of developed that um putting more emphasis on that um through my whole life of, of learning than um, maybe retaining things from 
repeatedly reading or regurgitating information. I just had harder times absorbing information from a book than I did audibly, or um, which is why I'm addicted to podcasts and audiobooks. Right. Um, yeah. And so um, I just kind of learned that I learned in a different way, and this just happened to fit in. And, and by sitting there for two years in the studio and sketching these guys doing this. Yeah, you're just absorbing just this absorbing shit like a, like a sponge. Yeah. Like you're, <laughs> and so it went, you're not taking notes of this. A, exactly. You're, you're, you're literally yeah. like learning it so through sight. It was a perfect sight. storm of... Or if osmosis. I had started that first day I walked in, I might not be doing it right now. Yeah. But because um, what that allowed me to do is when I got on the torch for the first time, I hit the ground running. And I learned so quickly, it made people think, this guy's special. And really, I'm like, now I've actually been doing this for two years in my head. I just have to let my fingers catch up. Yeah. I know everything you know, or not, maybe not everything, but I know a lot of the things you're doing because I've seen it so many times and it's just, it's branded in my brain. Nice. And so it was kind of a, it was just kismet that I got in that studio and hung out for so long before I was able to try, even though I really wanted to the whole time. Um, but that allowed me some momentum and some, um, kind of popularity in that underground world so right. the underground world of of glass drug paraphernalia <laughs> is um is a world that a lot of people don't know about and know how kind of crazy it is especially in the last five years yeah it's not uncommon for for pieces to sell um between the high five and lower six figures yeah um and there's these crazy kind of a collecting culture in and around that and it's truly a subculture that's transitioning to pop culture now with the changing dynamic of marijuana right but um it's been going on for 20 years and there's been this underground market for these high-end glass pieces and i kind of got kind of um you know just my trajectory went kind of right up into kind of one of the the names that was better known for that mm -hmm. um early um which when you're learning something that pat on the back and that little ego you know boost really helps you keep going yeah. you know and in the hard times it makes you go like no but i'm good at this you know i'm meant to do this and so it kind of gets you through that and um it, it worked out at the right time for me in life so nice pretty lucky you know now looking back i thought i was so good back then and now if i was anywhere near as good as i thought i was back then uh -huh. i'd be doing good yeah but <laughs> the longer you go the more you realize you don't know so that's good man yeah. um yeah you're always like i'm pretty pretty good oh yeah and i was you like young and angsty and like yeah i was like oh punk rock and <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and like yeah, I'm I'm the best, and I'm like, oh my god. I look back at some sketches and and things that I did oh, yeah. like in high school, where I was like really really proud of these things, and look uh -huh. at them now, and I'm like, that's so embarrassing. Will you please like, I, I just please, please not bring up that that oh, little man. doodle that I did. Or whatever. I was just teaching, and I I, uh, I brought I was trying to trying to get people to sketch a little more when I teach, and and uh, tell them that just because I do really good drawings now doesn't mean I did when I started. Sure, yeah. So I'll bring out, I actually have sketchbooks dated from the late 90s. Mm -hmm. And like before I was blowing glass, like those sketchbooks I was sketching in at that place and I brought some when I was teaching. And I was about to call everybody over to come check them out and I cracked one open and immediately put it away. I was just like, <laughs> no, nobody needs to see this shit, especially me. No. Oh my God. Yeah, uh, yeah what is that? Um, how does that? Uh, how does how does a, a piece of glass start? Like, do you sketch oh, yeah. it up first? Like, uh, what's the architecture yeah. of that look like? So I was um, always a, a sketcher. I love drawing. Is, is um, that common? Like for for people to to sketch up you know, what they want it to look like? Yeah, I thought that like not glass necessarily. Yeah, right. So yeah, I think so, it was like a free art form, right? For the most part. So there's a couple. Let me just start. There's a couple yes, different ways please. you can approach glass, right? And there's the the way that everybody really pictures. 
um, it, that's never really been around glass is that uh, you've got this kind of the Italians do. You got this big furnace where you gather this big like honey, this this piece of glass, and it's very dynamic and gestural and fluid. And then there's scientific glass blowing, which is kind of like more like you see the guys in the mall making figurines and stuff, little Mickey's and Minnie's at the carnival and things like that. And they're using right. like a welding torch. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I do is kind of a combination of the two. So it's um, more of the scientific side where it's similar, more similar to like machining metal than it is that dynamic glass blowing. But um, it still has that pro- those properties, so you can kind of combine the two. So um, for a long time, I would sketch out my initial drawings and then kind of just go with it. And a lot of that was because I couldn't actually accomplish my drawings. <laughs> and so you, you get yourself started and then you allow yourself to, to move away to make yourself feel better about failing miserably about recreating your drawing. Um, and the longer I, the better I got, the more I was able to, I'm a big fan because glass is so expensive to do because of the overhead, the more of the bullshit you can get out of the way before you start, the better mm. off you are. So I started designing way more, um, to get the bad ideas out. Okay. So those, so those times when I would try something at the torch and it would fail and I would lose that money and time, I could cut some of that out, um, just so I had more time to do the things I really wanted, um, until to put the point in the last five years, um, I transitioned to spending way more time in the sketchbook and realizing my passion was in that designing of it. After I got all the skill set to do it, now I can really spend a lot more time thinking about what I'm making. And that's, that's led my transition to designer, which is what I do now for a local company in Austin. Still making bongs, but I'm designing <laughs> in a way uh, for manufacturing. Uh, um, and it's really interesting and, uh, but it's also a little scary. Like I said, it's the first time I've had a day job in 18 years. Yeah. And it's a little weird. I mean, I, I didn't set an alarm for 18 years. I didn't set an alarm except to get on an airplane. God, that's like, there's something beautiful about that. Like, I, I don't know if a lot of folks out there can take that for what it's worth, but yeah. like, I hold that to a pretty high regard. Like, that's an, an amazing thing to just... It is. Uh, but the, I wake know, up whenever I want to. It's true, but it's a double-edged sword of like... Also true. Also true, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm my own boss, but the boss is an asshole. I never get a day off because yeah. this paranoia of never being, not having the money to pay your bills <laughs> makes you work twice as much as you did when you had a day job. Right. But you're always, for me, it was like you're doing something you love and it's, it's, it's your work and your hobby are the same things. And that kind of takes the... It's all fun, in a way. I mean, it's all work, but it's all fun. Um, at least working towards fun. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so what, so back to my the, how you do the glass is like what I start with is way more of a scientific method where I have a big torch, like a welding torch, but it's specifically designed for glass. Mm-hmm. Um, very large flame, about a four to five thousand degree flame. Um, and the material I use is called borosilicate, which is the same as Pyrex. And Pyrex is like the Kleenex of glass. Like it's just this, the brand name okay. of Corning's um, recipe for this glass called borosilicate. I feel and, like if they had like a, um, I don't know, like a spokesperson for yeah. uh, for that particular glass, it would be a pirate just because it sounds so <laughs> piratey. Is that... totally. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'll shut up. No, keep no, going. No. I was just about to make a bad. And then you've got the, the, the godfather of glass is a guy with a fucking eye patch, you know? So it's like you've got this Dale Chihuly guy that, yeah, that is how do you the feel? only glass blower people know. And yeah, man. How do you feel about that particular artist? That's the only one that you I know. know I've of. gone back and forth over it. And then over the years, I've gotten closer and closer to kind of his world and um, um, been around him. 
and uh, kind of got to understand it from um, him or artists like that. And at a certain point of success in an artist, and every once in a while you find these artists that are just as good at business as they are at being creative. Mm-hmm. And that's a unique thing. Um, it doesn't just happen in glass. It happens all over the art world. But those people that become monsters, that their name almost becomes a corporation. Yeah. And um, how do you balance that and how do you juggle that? And, and you know... Um, it's difficult. Not everybody has that gene. I definitely don't, but I respect the people that do. Um, and so for a while I thought it, it was kind of, he was kind of silly. Um, but the closer I get to it, I realize how hard it is to do that. Yeah. And, it's and just how co- creative you have to be to do that outside of just the glass um, and to keep it going for so long. And it's, uh, it's, and what he's done for glass. I don't, I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for him. Um, and what he kind of did for, getting glass out there as a medium, as an art medium. Um, and a lot of people before him, but he was definitely what popularized it in, in my generation. Right, yeah. Um, so um, I've gone back and forth on that pirate, but yeah. Dale, Dale's good. <laughs> I'm good with Dale. Yeah. Um, is it just like that punk rock mentality of like, eh, screw that guy, this this guy that's really good, exactly. like just to go it, against I'm, authority? It's funny as I... I <laughs> It's I'd inside like to, of you. I'd like to think, like, the, yeah, that's like I can get past that shit. But it's funny. Immediately, it's within everybody too. Is immediately when somebody does what you do and they're really get or really successful, you're like, well, fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah. My uh-huh. my dad's a carpenter. Um, yeah. so you know, growing up, if, if he went to into anybody's construction zone, he would always have like a. Oh, he went with a three-fourths uh, quarter boy. Yeah. He wouldn't say like that sucks. Yeah. He would just say. Huh. Interesting. Very that's yeah. an interesting choice. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you went. Oh, uh, yeah. you went with uh, with a cedar on this one, huh? Uh, passive aggressive panda. Yeah, just, yeah. Just nailing it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Was it the same? Did you run into the same thing? Uh, I, I run into artists? that all the time, and towards me now too. The more successful you get, the more. Yeah. Like, now, now you hear another like. Yeah. Well, uh, now it's just all Instagram comments, you know. Oh like, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. I can just feel the eye roll in that comment. You know? <laughs> and, uh, I get it. I get it. Uh-huh. <laughs> But uh, with me, uh, the drug paraphernalia part of it, I love calling it that because, uh, I mean, now it's not so much drug paraphernalia. What do you call it? Med- it's a medical delivery device now. Sure, yeah. yeah um, Got to get it in somehow. But also, you know, the older I get, like I'm 42 now, mm-hmm. and um, I don't have the same relationship with marijuana as I did back then. I still totally love it, but it, it, it's more of something that, like, um, it doesn't run my life now right it's more of like an accent every now and then when it's appropriate yeah and it started affecting me in different ways in my 30s and i got that paranoia back were you like wake and bake like would you just like immediately oh, get out of bed are you and... kidding? yeah <laughs> yeah it's just like and the funny thing was is immediately when i started blowing glass i stopped smoking as much because i was like oh, i need i want to get to the studio early tomorrow yeah and uh, i found myself just naturally smoking less because i was just doing other things right something else that sparked your interest or that you were passionate about and i'd find myself when i'd have the time to smoke like i used to i was like this is horrible i forgot that sobriety was my was an all was the different state for a lot of my life yeah isn't that crazy how that like flips at some point yeah whoa this is the norm this was supposed to be special (laughs) (laughs) and a reward (laughs) and as soon as i got back to that um which is my relationship with it now I love it. Um, right. You know, yeah. Because it, ac- it accompanies my lifestyle. It's like dessert it, now, yeah, as exactly. opposed to like um, oh, breakfast, Just lunch, oxygen. and dinner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Seriously, man. And I, you know, I still have um, a lot of the friends and colleagues, you know, it's still like that. It's like, it's a constant. Yeah. And I respect that. I, I don't, I'm not, 
downplaying you know that at all. Sure. Um, I just it does not fit with my personality and and the way I I work anymore. But um, that also, like I said, I was always a sculptor before, and um, I'd always kind of used the glass and the pipe money to finance these other projects, which um, sculptor with glass, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, before I ever found glass, I was an illustrator. I was I did portraits of. We were just talking about this before we fired up but yeah i did portraits of blues musicians wow and sold them on the street in seattle or tried and failed miserably but, <laughs> you know i thought that was gonna be my thing yeah and then yeah no <laughs> what um, were these portraits going for oh it was i did these pen and ink portraits that took me forever yeah and like to get close to a hundred dollars uh-huh would be like i'd be like yeah and then i'd add it up and like that took me about three weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, man. I I, I get it. I yeah. I doodle, and I yeah. I'm nowhere to the point of where I would be able to sell anything that that I do. But uh, I very much enjoy it. But yeah, I I know the the process of like that took me yeah. months. I mean, I wasn't on it every day, but like it took me <sighs> a full month to finish. Um, yep. And That's, well, that was the beautiful part about glass too. Was like that that. It, by its nature, it kind of has to happen quick. Yeah, yeah, and, that's right. And um, and by its nature, people are fascinated with it. And sure. So you kind of get this head start on the dollar amount you can get for it, and you have to do it quickly. And so the just by its nature, the um, the price for it relative to the work that went in it is real close. Just 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 starting out. Right. Um, and so while it's hard to do and it costs a lot to do, um, it's a pretty straight trade across you it's really almost hard to lose money at it unless you're trying yeah i mean you can break even really easily sure and i like how you use the word break yeah <laughs> God. yeah it's funny that the Are sound you... of glass cracking like just makes my fucking asshole clinch hat oh my shut. god it's just like whenever it i hear it in a restaurant anything it just jump dude look what i wrote down it says <laughs> Right here on this piece of paper, you brought it up naturally, but it says, "Are you numb to the sound of glass breaking, yeah, no. or or does it just make your asshole?" And I didn't say that verbatim, but yeah. uh-huh. it was basically, "Are you are you numb to the sound of no, glass breaking?" It's fucking. It's. I don't think I'll ever get numb to it. it now it's just. Um, now it's even worse because yeah. like it's your. Yep. Th- those are those are your uh, tools. Uh, yeah. Well, that's. It, there's a thing when you. It, it's hard to explain, but. Um, I can feel it mm-hmm. um, because when yeah, you're your working, babies. When, when you work, and I like really feel when you're working on glass and something cracks, it sends a shockwave through the material you're hanging onto, oh. and you actually feel it in your toes. Oh like, man, yeah, yeah, that's got to <laughs> so, jolt your nerves and like yeah. everything. Yeah, because you can, yeah, you yeah. can physically. I'm, yeah, I've never worked with glass before, you're, but yeah, you can, you can, yeah. But uh, I've definitely been polishing like mm-hmm. uh, a wine glass and just. Yep. snapped it right there like within it, the rag yeah and it reverberates you know it has it's like a like a tuning fork you know yeah it, it, yeah it, it, it sends this little vibration through you that and you learn to hate that certain vibration <laughs> really, really quickly yeah. yeah um well you talk about uh you said there's like a, a myriad of uh like drug paraphernalia that yeah. glass is used for do you want to talk about like some of the categories because it's not just uh, weed now right uh have you seen any of these like the most recent one that I was, um, God, this is going to be three podcasts in a row where I'll reference DMT. But oh, um, <laughs> uh, whenever I smoked DMT, yeah. uh, I didn't know that you did it through, I didn't know how you did it in the, in the yeah. first place. Um, but I didn't know you did it through, it's like a, it's a glass piece. Yeah. Um, 
Um, then I guess people that aren't familiar with what a glass piece is, I guess, I don't know who wouldn't be, but it's basically a bong. Yeah. Um, layman's terms. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure there's other ones out there too. Yeah. So man, being on the forefront of ways to smoke your drugs is kind of my job. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just that. really funny when you get into serious conversations <laughs> at a bar with people and you have to get real serious about something they think is a novelty. Yeah. We take this shit seriously. Yeah, it's actually... It's <laughs> funny. At, at work all day, we get real serious about designing these things, and every once in a while we have to look up and high-five because we're, like, we're just drawing bongs all day, man. <laughs> this is like half the time I think I'm in a coma and I'm making this shit up. Um, but, yeah, it's funny. So as as the popularity of drugs progress and then the, the ways to consume them progresses, you end up designing around all kinds of new things. And so with glass, I mean, even the... I'm assuming maybe you smoked it in the same way people would smoke hash oil or um, kind of vaporize things, which is funny now that we've turned this beautiful green marijuana plant into a hyper-concentrated version so we can fucking freebase it, right? When everybody gets cool with us smoking a joint, we've got to turn this into a hard drug again. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that's kind of the preferred way to do a lot of those things, and maybe that's the way you smoke DMT. Um, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah it's, mm -hmm. it becomes vaporized yeah. when you smoke the vapor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's a lot of the stuff we design for now is, um, you know, thinking about um, the landscape of it's no longer a fucking four foot bong, right? It's uh, which is which I'm really excited about because that's that's never how I would ever think to consume it now, oh. even just weed, but anything else. Dude, any bong that I ever smoke out of just gets me wrecked immediately. Yeah. I immediately get eighth grade stoned, is uh, yeah. how I like to call like, it. I can, you I like can't to... take it back, you know, it's yeah. there. And you're just like, I'm going to be in the fetal position in your corner <laughs> yeah. if you need me. Be having a couple conversations with my own self. Yeah. Um, I'm going to question everything. Yeah, I'm going to question everything. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. I'll, I'll be in my own head for the next at least 30 minutes. Yeah. Like, I, and, I, and I'm pretty good at smoking weed at this point, <laughs> yeah. so... I'm really high if that's yep. happening. <laughs> they, uh, man, um, so it's funny. Yeah, we have an R&D studio, and R&D at the bong shop is exactly what you think it is. You know, It's like we make a bong, and then we fucking find somebody, and we make them smoke out of it and try it out. Yeah? Yeah. And, um, yeah, and me and my um, the, the other guy in my department, we don't smoke as much as we used to, and so we're always just pulling some poor young intern in. <laughs> <laughs> get high right now go yeah. <laughs> pull it through you pussy yeah. yeah well that's that's so funny yeah because he wrote on my, my uh my co-worker steven wrote on the dry erase board he's like i need you to rate this um the size of hit you're taking and and what you thought and it's on a scale of of what did he say it was like nar to nar nar to bra <laughs> bra being the biggest hit you can take it's like where did you come up with that? It's Not being just lightly, just stoked. lightly, just a, just a baby hit. Like Michael would get high, yeah. Yeah. a social hit, yeah. if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, mine wouldn't even register on that scale. Um, oh, it's great. Yeah, um, but um, but yeah. So just uh, yeah, thinking about uh, it's turning into a, a really serious design object. Yeah, as far and as so, it's like now I'm thinking way more like an industrial designer, you know, and, and not just how you pull the smoke out of this, but how, what happens to you after you smoke? You know, for me, I, I'm usually relaxing a lot of times by myself now watching a movie or in my sketchbook. Um, and what do I do after I've smoked? And, and, um, a lot of times you're contemplating a lot of times you're, and so not just how this thing delivers the, the smoke, but, um, how it holds in your hand, how it rests on your chest, how when you're contemplating something and haven't quite put that thing down yet, yeah. what position it's in, you know, and, right. and what you're doing with it. How does it now, how do you make this as an extension of your hand instead of just 
a way to consume, right? And so yeah, even to go back to support so, what you said about yeah. about as uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to in, no, intrude, but anytime uh, the piece of uh, glass that I smoked out of for the DMT, yeah. the guy was telling me like, this is very, this is the top of the line and it was yeah. designed yep. for this specifically. Yep. So <laughs> this is the optimum way to, to yeah. um, ingest yeah. said drug. The best part is, is there's no laboratories around. So we just get to say that too. <laughs> and this is, we're about the closest you get to people like in a lab trying to figure this out. But I imagine it's, uh, I mean, I got a but, pretty no, hefty but, hit. But that's just it though. People... I mean, I'm not the only person that makes this stuff that thinks like this. That is really, this is what I made it for, and this is the exact purpose. This is the way I've smoked a lot of this. This is the way I prefer to consume it, and these are the reasons why. Mm -hmm. And um, the beautiful part about, you know, kind of social media and and the ways we get information out there now is you can find that group of people. It would have been 10 people in the town you're in. Mm -hmm. Now it's 100,000 people nationwide. And you can find those people that are into consuming whatever you're designing at the same way you are and have that, those same factors and, you know, thinking about how they do that. And um, you can get it to those people. Right. And I love that. I mean, that's just changed our world. Yeah, completely. yeah. You know, yeah. Instagram especially has changed the landscape of how we um, sell our work and get the word out, out there. Um, I can't tell you how many podcast interviews I've yeah. done um, where somebody has – where any artist or any specialty item, anyone yep. has said, it's crazy hey, what Instagram has done for me. Yeah. So <laughs> listeners out there, if I you know. got a small business, Instagram, if you don't have one, yeah. it's obviously a necessity. You know, it's every social media platform, you know, Twitter's for writers, Facebook's for families now, but, um, yeah. and then Instagram's for <laughs> makers and visual. And, yeah. um, I've always tell people too, as I, I've been doing this for well over a decade is that whenever any new social media platform pops up, just grab your name. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, because you never know what's going to be the next platform and the quicker you are to that. But it's a whole nother job. I know, man. man. Tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Jesus, I know. You got to fucking take a picture of everything that you do. I, Every I've fucking been, thing that you do, you have to document this, it. This day job has there. been so bad. My Instagram has been dying. Not dying. I mean, I've just uh, <laughs> I've also been building a new studio for the last six months. And so I haven't had as much to show. Yeah. And then developing some things that... It, you kind of want to keep secret, um, and so I haven't had a lot of a lot to post, but um, but yeah, I got to get back on that. I yeah, feel like I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't want to quarter you in just like a bong, uh, yeah. uh, section of of glass. You do so many other things yeah. uh, with it. Um, I won't uh, go into it, but I follow you on Instagram, so yeah. I'll let you speak to that. Uh, I've seen like. I, when I first started following you, I saw that like I got to go to this art show, yeah, um, or this art expo. I'll let you. I'll let oh, you talk yeah, to yeah. it. I, I can't. I was so, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was so I um something along those lines of yeah. I, you're making art with glass. Yeah. So that's actually been. I have a, a relatively um, I'm relatively popular in that in that pipe world, but I kind of follow. I have that same recognition in the glass sculpture world, and so I have two. I'd have two. I had two parts of my life or my, my um, glass life for most of my career. And the, the pipe side, which financed the art, and the art side, um, which kind of was my um, my release. I, I explain it as things I love to make and things I can't help but make. You know? Right. And um, I never relied on selling the artwork, but um, that gained attention. Because I could finance it through the pipes, I could always make whatever I wanted and wasn't 
didn't have to sell it to make another piece, which was a luxury. Is a luxury for any artist that can do that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I guess it was about six years ago I got the opportunity to start teaching at higher profile places, and I got accepted into a. I, I was awarded a residency at a glass school or at a craft school in North Carolina, Penland School of Crafts. Um, and the crafts, as in people, you say crafts, and people will picture you hot glue and macaroni to a paper plate or something. But um, <laughs> it's more of in the craftsmanship kind of sense. I get it. And, and uh, it was way more of it. T- it teaches like traditional crafts, like uh, every once in a while you get a basket weaving class and stuff like that. But a lot of times it's concentrating on using these techniques of like very high level craftsmanship to make your artwork um and so it's a lot of crossovers of artists that are also experts in the mediums they're using and so i also i got a uh, three-year residency at this school um when they gave me a studio and apartment and meals for three years and my only obligation was to make whatever i wanted wow which was ridiculous and it's this beautiful spot on the top of a mountain outside of Asheville in the Blue Ridge Mountains and what yeah. that's insane it was insane and it, it was the best and worst thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> it's like living at Disney World it's like not the happiest place on earth once you're there every day and sure you, yeah like, it's a nonprofit, and these things are really hard to run and it's like nobody gets paid to work there and they're also talented and you're this like artist that gets to hang out and do whatever you want and you just feel automatically feel like guilty about this yeah um and um it's also this hyper-social situation in the summers. They, so they do these intensive classes where um, learning at a university is great. But a lot of times, especially in, in art, um, the people that are most well-known for their art aren't exactly teaching at a university. Yeah. And it's harder to kind of get your hands on learning from some of those people you really respect as a famous artist. You're not going to get that at universities most of the time. Um, but this is a place where for two weeks at a time they'll bring these artists in from around the world and you can spend two weeks intensively from 9 a.m to midnight for two mm-hmm. weeks working you know one-on-one basically you and six other students with a with a master yeah and so um they do these two-week classes all summer and so and about 200 students come in for all these different classes and so for me there i'm just hanging out on the mountain and uh Every two weeks, 200 people come in with an energy level that's like at the ceiling, you know, and they're creative, all amazing artists are young and just, just getting the bug yeah. you know, or, or in their eighties and are just like, you sit at a fucking, I sat at a lunch table. I remember this vividly, me being so nerdy about glass and trying to talk somebody's ear off about glass. And I sat down at a table and it was all the older ladies from the weaving class. And this woman that was in her eighties next to me talked my ear off for an hour about indigo dying and realized God, this is great. She's just as nerdy about indigo dyeing as I am about glass. This is, I'm not alone. <laughs> um, but that's the type of energy you'd get from, from 18 to 80. You know, it's just this creative energy. And yeah. Two weeks goes by and they're about ready to fall over and they all leave and 200 more people come in and that energy level's at the top. And so it's an incredible place to be, to be a, a fly on the wall and create because that's all contagious. Yeah. And so my work exploded from the art side there um so some of my i guess more well-known stuff there is i did these i did a couple replicas of sewing machines oh really yeah that's pretty awesome man yeah um which uh the first one was uh well it it had to do with a larger body of work i wasn't i didn't want to turn into the sewing machine guy which kind of happened but Uh (laughs) i was doing a body of work kind of more about my family and where i came from and where i got this weird um, where I had this 
I call it a disability. When I I can't keep my hands from moving, they have to be keep moving. Yeah, I can't sit on the couch and watch a movie without having a sketchbook. Just a busy brain. Hand. Yeah, like you gotta. Yeah. And then I thought back and realized my mom was a quilter, and she'd come home from a full day of work, and she'd sit on the couch and have to be quilting. You know, I, I was gonna I was ask you a where... hobby, and I was like, no, she couldn't do that. That's what kept her sane. You know. Yeah. Is keeping those hands moving, and then when we were younger and and kept her from doing that she was a lot crazier <laughs> and as soon as the kids got old enough to do their own thing she started uh, quilting again and this kind of zen you know thing came over her and I realized that's a lot of how I work too wow nice um so anyway I was thinking about these kinds of things and doing a lot of work trying to process where I come from and why and um I remade her 1956 singer sewing machine that she used to make quilts this was a, a machine my dad got her this machine for Christmas one year and um I was not too young, but um, young enough not to quite understand why mom started crying when she opened this sewing machine from wow. the 50s. And I was like, ah, oh, dad bought her a shitty old sewing machine. Yeah, it's a piece and of then, junk, yeah, dad. Yeah, and then I realized it was the same machine, not the exact same, <laughs> same model of machine that her grandmother used to teach her how to, you know. Wow. And then, um, number one, fucking kudos to dad to, like, remembering that in that in that you know the uh antique store that she mentioned that right and finding it later um but also uh that's my first real lesson of like sentimentality and what that how much power that has right yeah most definitely and so those are a lot of things i was thinking about while doing this machine and um it was a pretty much a perfect replica of this machine kind of made from glass um and it took me a year and a half to do it um to figure out how to do it um and uh, this is kind of a great story. I don't know if it's a little bit longer, but if you're no, into it. No, uh, dude, right. this, this podcast is just a, yeah. a blindfold for people to come in and like tell stories. So this like is, the more stories told, I, I love like storytelling. Story. Yeah, me too. That's the thing. Is this is a story I'm, I was just started to refine because I was like, I should tell this in front of an audience because this is fucking gold. Yes. Um, so, um, so this Singer sewing machine, uh, I finish it and it's getting... It goes out to a show, and I'm starting to get uh, really a a momentum recognition for this thing. And uh, I get a phone call. I don't really deal with galleries because I never really had to. Mm -hmm. And so I get a phone call from – but I I lived in southern Florida for a while, and there was a glass gallery down there that's famous. And it was a place I could go and see all these pieces in real life of artists that that live all over the world. And so it was like I loved this gallery. Um, They called me up and asked if they could have – the, the sewing machine, if they, could, if they could carry the sewing machine or represent me and show the machine. And I was, so I was like, yes, holy shit. I was so excited. And um, before it it came back from a show it was at, and I was like, oh, great, I got a week to box it up. And this guy walks in my studio and buys it from me for a price that like I couldn't say no to. Yeah. And so he walks out the door with this, and I realize I'm so excited, but I realize I have to call my dream gallery and tell him, do you set this price, or does the person come, at, come at you? Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, which is a whole other part about selling work, which is weird, especially work that takes a year and a half. I basically put a, a price on it that that I wouldn't be sad to see a year and a half of work walk out the door. I understand. I understand fully. And um, it's a, it was a price that in my head was ridiculous. And yeah, like, no, no one's, one's going to pay, pay this. Yeah, yeah so and I'll, some guy I'll walks in and forever. does it. You know, I'm just like, holy shit. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I called the gallery and I kind of informed them, not knowing how this is going to work. Um, you know, and they say, congratulations, that's amazing. You know, that's, yes. that's awesome. Um, we want another sewing machine. Can you make one? <laughs> and I'm I'm here going like, oh, I don't really have a reason to. I had a re- specific reason to make that one. Yeah. And so I said, I'll think about it. Um, 
and I start looking. I find this machine. It's a from 1889. It's this weird hand crank sewing machine. It's just gorgeous. The, the design of it was insane. And I know now from experience, like what I had to do to make that singer was follow in the footsteps of the designer. Like I had to measure everything, every curve, every every little detail. And you get to learn so much about how they did this to begin with. And I loved that whole learning experience. And I looked at this new machine, this Wilcox and Gibbs hand crank sewing machine. And I was like, I would love to do that same thing with yes. this. And that would be rewarding. And I can justify doing that. Yeah. Right? And so I call the gallery back and I say, I found a machine. I'll do it. They say, great. We need it by this date. And we also need another piece because we're doing a, uh, a subculture pipe show at Art Basel, pop-up show. We want you to be in that. And we also want a sewing machine for our gallery. And that date was three weeks later. <laughs> and it took me a year and a half to make the oh, other one. Shit. <laughs> and I said, listen, <laughs> I can only make one piece for this for one of the shows. Yeah. Um, so they're like, Great, we want you in the pipe show. And I was like, shit, I want to be in the other show. And then I said, How about I make that sewing machine a bong so you can use it for both shows? And they were like, Sounds good. Whoa, really? Yeah, they were a little like, oh, well, if you think that'll work, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I know it'll work. <laughs> Bongs I can do on my sleep. Yeah, listen. I was, yeah, it's really, it's just a couple holes and somewhere to put shit, <laughs> yeah. technically. Yes. Um, and so I set out, and I designed this thing in a way that it is a complete replica of the sewing machine, and completely hidden inside is all these little air passageways and functional parts that make it also a bong. And um, it took me 300 hours to do it. Um, and I only know that because I only had three weeks and I just counted the hours that I slept and I subtracted those from the total number of hours and it was right around 300. Yeah, because right? if you weren't sleeping, you were probably sweating your balls it off was, in front of the fucking fire. It was ridiculous. I, 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 I lost years of my life during that three weeks. <laughs> um, but I got it done and it went to the show and uh, it was another hit. Uh, it did not sell. Uh, which I was not worried about. It was it was cool. I got to go to art. It was like this this cool melding of my two worlds, of the art and the pipe. And that's when I started to kind of combine the two and not keep them separate anymore. Yeah, that's but pretty symbolic, actually. Was, right? Of like th these two things are coming together yeah. in my life right now. And at the same time, at at this residency, I'm also getting encouraged from another carpenter there, who's this punk rock dude named Tom Shields, who's amazing. And I would tell him about this weird two worlds. Half the people up there knew I made pipes. Half of them didn't want to be kicked out. <laughs> You know, yeah. and he was like, and he's just this punk rock carpenter, amazing. It was just like, fuck him, man. He's like, own that shit. Yeah, and he was like, that's what you should be. That's your that's your angle. Yeah, and I fucking adopted it, and it was he was right. Anyway, so this is all in my head at the time as this show's going on, and I'm like, it's just been you know confirmed by this major gallery that this is a thing that can work together. And so, a uh, little bit of um, little side note: this residency once a year they throw this huge auction um, where they. Um, bring in it's kind of like this really fancy they bring in 500 collectors uh, museums curators and just uh independent collectors that are very wealthy and for two days they do a live auction which um they raise almost a million dollars in two days in a live auction so hold on, let me just take it yeah go ahead yeah take a take a little gulp uh you want some more is yeah, it yeah uh, actually warm me up we're doing some tea here if you don't mind passing oh, it yeah. over check this out just a little um some, a little something for the listeners. I'm trying to do it right in front of the uh... the mic. Oh yeah. <laughs> you have a bathroom too. That's just, yeah. no, I'm just um, now we all gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So um, one of the major perks of being a resident at this school is that at this auction they do 
a kind of breakfast at our res the resident artist facility studio where they're bringing all these collectors in for a continental breakfast before the big money day of this gallery. Yeah. And they all come through our studios. Anything we sell during to them is 100% our money. It's, it's not to support the school. It's kind of to help us finance the rest of our year as resident artists and buy materials, sure. travel and things. Yeah. And so it's great because you've got these people that are there to support the school. And they're already ready to spend money. So your chances of making a sale are good and your chances of making a big sale are, are better. But yeah. never, it's never guaranteed. And so I have, uh, um, I make also make these really nice liquor decanters, which I knew were going to be popular, and I knew it would be a good way to kind of finance some stuff. This was my last year there. I got that sewing machine back from this gallery, um, and I had it in storage and didn't quite know what to do with it. It didn't really fit in with the liquor bottles I had, but it was my last. I literally was moving away three weeks later. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I know people would really love to see this. It's a cool piece. But it was so much more expensive than anything else mm -hmm. that um, that I didn't even put a price tag on it. I just said, uh, you know, if you're if you're interested in hearing more about this, I put a little card on it that says, "Just ask Micah." Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, the the price tag was forty grand. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to put that on there. There's no reason. Nothing else in here justifies a price tag yeah. like that. That's again another one of those prices that's like. I'll have just have I'll, this forever. I'll just keep this forever. Yeah, I'm fine I, with it. I don't feel like selling it, so I'm going right. to say it's forty grand. <laughs> exactly. And so anyway, this sale's going on. The liquor bottles are doing great. I'm selling them, but there's a lot of them. So now I'm wrapping things up, and I'm like, you know, cash register over here. Yeah. And this guy comes up to me, and he's like, uh, excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt you. I was talking to another guy about a liquor bottle. He was like, that, I think you should go talk to that little lady over there about your sewing machine. I was like, oh, yeah, no problem. I wrap up the sale, and I walk over, and there's a... She must have been in her early 80s, mm -hmm. and um, about five, four, four, ten, four, eleven. Like yeah. I had it on a high table, <laughs> she, and she was standing up with her with her elbow on the table, oh. a hand under her chin, wow, without yeah. even really leaning. You know? Yes, former just, Oompa Loompa. Just eye contact with this thing. Yeah, <laughs> just not breaking it. And I walk up and I asked her if she had any questions, and she kind of, I can tell she heard me, but she didn't even look at me. And yeah, she was just still looking at the machine, and she's kind of squinting her eyes, looking at. It, and she's like, "What are you asking?" And I told her the number. And yeah. She didn't say shit. She just keeps staring at it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to go finish up this sale. And if you have more questions. And I was pretty sure. I was like, well, that's where that ended. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's, right. a, that's all she needed to hear. Yeah. So I just walk away. And I'm, I get caught up talking to this guy about the bottle some more. And the same guy that interrupted me before gets over to me. And he's like, you need to get over there and talk to that one about that fucking sewing machine right now. Yeah. And I go back over. And she finally looks over at me. And she's like, can you do better? And in my head, I'm like, I know that's a discount. I know she wants a discount. Does that mean she's interested? <laughs> yeah. So now I'm like trying to do the math. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? What is better? Um, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm, now I'm just kind of spitting stuff out. I'm like, I know for the right collector, there's always a collector's discount and blah, blah, blah. I just keep kind of like still trying to do the math of what number I should tell her. Yeah. And she just interrupts me, puts the hand up. It's like, we take 35. And now I'm paused because I'm in shock. And I'm like, what's the appropriate amount of time to wait before I pick this little old lady up off the ground and yeah. fucking shake her around like a rag doll? Like, fuck yes. <laughs> yeah. I've never in my life sold anything for anywhere near that much. Yeah, right? you're in, the, in your head, you're just counting to like yeah. three uh -huh. before you explode. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so she, I said, of course, thank you so much. She pulls a personal check, like folded into quarters out of her back pocket, rolls it out. And like writes out a check and just hands it to me and she wow. says, "How are you gonna? How's this gonna be delivered?" 
And I was like, well, I mean, my studio's packed up. I got three weeks left. She lived in Washington, D.C., uh, which was um, about a seven-hour drive. I was like, I've got nothing to do for three weeks. I'll drive it up to you. Yes. I'll spend the night in D.C., go to a museum. Yes. Check out your collection. Yeah. Because you're obviously must have amazing collection. Mm-hmm. And that's that's it. So uh, I get a call back about a week later from from that guy again, who happens to be her son. <laughs> the guy that kept telling me, go talk to her. <laughs> and he says, uh, I'm just calling for my mom. Her name was Fleur, by the way. Fleur Bressler. Nice. Love that name. That's a great name. Yeah. yeah. And um, he's like, she just she asked me um, to touch base with you on delivery. And I was like, great. I just was looking at hotels, and um, I'm planning on doing it on this day, you know, yeah. next weekend. And um, he says, great, but um, let me call you right back. It might be a problem with that. And so he calls me back. And he's like, yeah, I thought so. He's like, my mom says, um, you're staying with her at the apartment. Don't yes. want to get in the hotel. Yes. <laughs> I love this story. And so I'm, now I'm like, I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to spend the night with an 80-year-old woman at her apartment. And I, yeah. I keep telling him, like, listen, I don't want to put her out. I've already looked at hotels. They're cheap. It's yeah, off season. I've already you know? booked it. Yeah, I was like, he, was, he laughs at me. And he says, uh, she insisted, you're staying with her oh, and i was like okay. man yeah so i drive up to dc with this uh sewing machine all boxed up in in my car and i it's just over the border in Mar- into maryland which is just five minutes out of dc downtown yeah and all of a sudden i'm in the woods and i'm driving down this little wooded i'm like how the fuck did i get in the woods i swear i was just in the city and then um out of nowhere this like little lake pops up with like a 17 floor apartment building looking real fucking modern just uh-huh. in the middle of nowhere and I'm like okay this is it I walk in and there's a, nobody around except a doorman gets up and walks my way looking at me like what the fuck are you doing here <laughs> and I said I'm here to see Fleur um, and he's like oh you're Micah yeah alright he says there's the elevator 17th floor and I get halfway there and I come back I was like what, uh, what room number and he's <laughs> like it's the 17th floor oh and, wow uh, so it was an 8,000-square-foot, seven-bedroom apartment. It was like two penthouses, and they knocked the wall down. Wow, One side man. was grandma's house. Like, wicker furniture, family photos, everything in a grandma's house. It was fucking just grandma's Get house. Get out. And then the other side was a contemporary craft museum. And so she immediately welcomes me in. Um, Shut the front she, door. Get out of here, dude. dude. This is where it gets great. So... Then she's like, would you mind taking the sewing machine out so I can make sure everything's you know good? <laughs> and um, so I take it out and I put it on this table and I'm backing up from the table and realize this is an Albert Paley table who's a um, metal worker, sculptor. And um, I know that this is about a quarter million dollar table. <laughs> I'm, oh. I'm like, who the fuck is this woman? <laughs> and so then she's like, great. And she starts to show me the rest of her collection. And every single piece, not every piece, but a lot of the pieces, I was like, I know this piece. Um, you know, I know the artist. I've known the artist's work. But I also know this piece as a, a part of the pinnacle series and time of this artist's work. Yeah. And so I'm starting to be like, where have I seen this stuff before? And I can't quite place it. And we go through this collection and my jaw has just been on the floor. Um, and, um, so she says, uh, it's too bad you didn't come a couple weeks earlier or a couple weeks later because the Renwick is closed down for renovation right now. You're in the middle of it. And the Renwick is the contemporary craft wing of the Smithsonian. And I was like, I know I didn't really plan that out. And she's like, but I mean, when it reopens, one of their new rooms has my name on it and that's where my collection is going. And that's when I realized she was like, and that's me. Maybe your sewing machine will end up there. And uh, that's when I realized I never fucking told this woman 
it was a bong. Oh, no, dude. So now I have this moral dilemma of like, I know what, I know who this woman is now. I know that when you, when a museum acquires a piece, they go through this inspection process. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And assuming she donates the stuff before she dies, which pretty much probably will, um, they're going to come to her and say, there's a whole bunch of shit going on with this thing. Yeah. That, uh, what, what's the deal with all this other stuff? These little pieces come off, you know, like, uh, there's all this weird plumbing inside. What's the yeah, deal? Yeah. And, uh, and I know enough about her to know, to know now that the way these way collectors of that scale work, they love showing their work and they show them off to other collectors. They do tours with other collectors of their collection. And like, if you get a thumbs down from this woman, <laughs> all of her friends, if they like it, they're going to be like, I need to keep him on my list, you know? And yeah. if I get a thumbs down, then it's like, this is like a make or break collecting at that level oh. time. And I'm like, I think I have to tell her it's a fucking bomb. And I'm starting to freak out. She takes me out to dinner and uh, she asks me how I got started. Oh, I thought blowing. you were going to say if you had any weed. No. <laughs> I would. Some of the stories she told me later about, in, you know, collecting artwork and living in New York in the 60s and stuff made me go like, Fleur, I would have loved to known Fleur back in the day. Yeah. Hell, I'm just, I love to know her now. Right. The stories she told me were awesome. Um, but so we were at dinner and she asked me how I started in, in glass and I start to give her the history. It's like, I smoked a lot of weed. I tell her the same thing. I smoked a lot of weed in college, started making pipes. I'm starting to tell her about that. I'm starting to tell her. And then she interrupts me and she's like, I started and still am a mainly a wood collector, like turned lathe turned wood, like very, very high end lathe turned wood. And uh -huh. she, her collection was an unbelievable. You would love it. I should show you pictures of this stuff. But, yeah. And she's like one of my favorite wood artists that when I was first starting collecting and had a budget of 50 bucks, I bought his work. And now his work is 50,000. I still buy it. And she's like, I visit him every year. And this last year I was there and he showed me this display case I'd never seen before. And, uh, and, um, she's like, I, I asked him what they were and he told me they were bongs and that when he had hard times making ends meet <laughs> over the years, he would, you know, sell them to friends and stuff, you know, and, Get out. and she's like, I thought they were beautiful. And so he gave me one. So she says, I actually have one bong in my collection. And I said, actually, Flair, you have two. No, this is a great story. Because the sewing machine's a bong, you know, and I'm just like clap my hands together and like fucking jazz hands like, yes, that's it. And she just, she had a bite of food on the fork, on the way to her mouth, and it just stops halfway. It just freezes. Fuck. And her eyes get a little squinty and she cocks her head and just stares at me. Uh-huh. And I just start rattling. I start telling her about like what pipes have turned into and about the show and why this is special and not weird. Yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. I just, and I just go on, go on, go on. Are and you I telling run. her the same story that you said yep. beforehand? Yep. Like the, 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 the gallery and, and the two shows okay. and like all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then I just run out of shit. I hit the wall. I got nothing else to say. <sighs> yeah, what else still, can you do at this th point? She's like, looking at me and I'm just like thinking, okay, if I transfer some money around, I can give most of that money back. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how, you know. Uh, and... um. She takes that bite of food, chews it, swallows it, looks me dead in the eye and says, I got a wooden dildo too. <laughs> and that was it. That was the end of it. She, uh, she's fucking amazing. She yes! just rolled with it and was like, sweet. Uh, That's fucking awesome. But she does a ton of like fundraising events for the, the, the Renwick, the Smithsonian. And when she tells that story as her closer. She, oh, she leaves out the dildo part, dude. but um, she says, uh, I didn't quite know what to think, but my grandkids are really excited to come visit grandma now. What a great story. And um, <laughs> it's true. Her grandkids tag me on Instagram all the time. Like, I can't believe grandma yes. bought a rig. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was just. What a radical insane. grandma. 
Yeah, she's and it was cooler like, than the Golden Girls. Yeah, all of them put together, man. And then you know we went back to her place after dinner, and she started telling me stories and um, about her life, and um, it's this level of wealth that I just have never been around before. Um, and I don't know if a lot of people have. Yeah, and it was like one of those times when you realize that. Oh, some people that are this wealthy do really good things with their money. It wasn't just like she buys art, but, you know, she's like uh, supports very kind of, a, you know, pro- like a Planned Parenthood, NPR type stuff like, stuff like that. Like yeah. major fundraisers and funding for things that really need money. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, it was really, really great. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, it was insane. I kind of. Yeah, anyway, that's that's pretty much it. I could go on and on about those the, those stories from her, but that was yeah. the pinnacle and that's what paid my way back to Austin 2 years ago. Wow, man. And um I got here and and uh started the uh figure my life out again as an artist outside of a weird hippie colony. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. You mentioned uh wooden dildos. I know there's glass dildos out there too. Oh, yeah. Have you ever made uh those oh, yeah. or ever Definitely. been Definitely. There was a time in when I lived in Florida that that was hot. Uh-huh. Uh, and um it just got weird. It just I just couldn't look myself in the eye. Anymore. <laughs> Why? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was weird. I just tried to keep pe- getting people to come in for a fitting and nobody would nobody would budge. <laughs> nobody, yeah. Nah, um <laughs> No, it was, uh, you did for a while because there was like some, this was back in, uh, like, God, this was just still, still internet was still getting going. This was like 2001, 2002. And, uh, there's this big boom because of some real sex episode on HBO about glass, glass sex toys. Yeah. And, um, they were selling for this ungodly amount and us glass blowers were like, holy shit, it already comes in rod form. Like it's pretty much done. Yeah. And these are 300 <laughs> bucks a piece, you know? Yeah. So all of us at once were like. I'm switching careers. Yeah. And uh, the market just crashed on that stuff. So oh, I just it. stuck with a big bunch it, of dildos in a box for a long time. So yeah. I threw them away. It seems like, um, it seems dangerous to me. I don't know. Like, Yeah, well, the, the type of material we use, it always seems dangerous. I mean, shit, that in general seems dangerous. But um, <laughs> um, the type of glass we use and um, is, is meant for, it's sterile. It's like surgical, you know, surgically sterile. Yeah. Um, easy to clean. Extremely hard to break, especially, you know, when you're using it like that. It's not going to break for any other reason than a crazy impact. So it's like, yes, that's another reason. It's just like, it just seems weird. Yeah, don't go to the, don't run any errands in your car with it still inside. Just like hope that cat doesn't knock the candle holder (laughs) off the shelf while you're, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) I think it's like, I woke up from a nightmare once of like somebody using one of those and having a bad time and and I was just like, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really? Did you really? You had like an actual nightmare? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Your own work. Well, I know exactly when I stopped. It's like, I am. Okay, so in order to market these, I got involved in like a swingers group forum. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah right? you got of to. Of course, sure. You go where the people are. Most definitely. And in Florida, it was pretty hilarious. It's, it's like a big thing down there. And so um, I'm marketing through this, and then I'd get all these messages for custom, like dimensions and all that stuff. And I'm like, sweet, this is great. I don't have to make them. They're just ordering what they want. This is easy. And then I get a... It starts to get a little more into the fetish community where somebody's like, I need a cone that's like six inches wide at the whatever and a lens. I want to... Super specific. Yeah, I want to... Specific. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it's like, I want to take pictures of... I'm like, okay, no. I'm out. 
yeah. I'm tapping out. <laughs> yeah. I that. know too much. Yeah, I know too much, <laughs> and uh, I don't want to be a part of this. <laughs> if there's a lawsuit, and I have to be called as a witness, I don't want to have to tell him any of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just, it was more of a pain in the ass, no pun intended, than, <laughs> than, uh, than it was worth. See what it you did the there. novelty. Now See, I told the, you I got a pun yeah, in there. Yeah, I was going to say, now who's got the dad jokes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice work, nice work. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm glad you brought up, um, like, taking this piece up there uh i was gonna ask you about shipping yeah uh what is that do you just say oh yeah uh, so i I gotta i gotta imagine you've got like a very close relationship with (laughs) a specific shipping you'd think something no no (laughs) or do you um well there's a couple tricks and um a lot of the stuff i do if you if you do check out my instagram stuff you'll see some stuff that looks extremely fragile yes yes i have and um and i basically kind of knit things things together with um threads of glass like size the size of like dried spaghetti you know yeah and so um and it appears extremely fragile but when you hold one of these um it's not as it's actually incredibly rigid and Is they it... weigh almost nothing and so there's not a lot of weight okay to, you know what i mean you, there's no real leverage of weight to snap these things if i if i package it correctly meaning a lot of so if i had a one foot by one foot panel of this stuff, you know, just a flat panel mm-hmm. that would go in a box approximately like three feet by three feet because it's a box inside a box and there's, there's, you know, tissue paper and peanuts and bubble wrap and all kinds of added protection. Yeah. Um, so as long as a, like somebody doesn't just, just, um, punch a steel rod through this box. Yeah. It's actually going to be fine. Okay. And so there's, you, you believe me, I've broken a ton of stuff in shipping to learn how to do it correctly. I, I believe it. The mortality rate now is, is, you know, less than 5% is, on things, you know, yeah. so, um, which is acceptable with glass. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 5% is a pretty good number. You can never, <laughs> because it's really hard to, to contact UPS and be like, listen, my $10,000 bong broke in shipping. I need you to pay for that. And they're <laughs> yeah. just like, yeah, no. Uh-uh. Yeah. There's no record anywhere of you ever making this shit, let alone selling it for that number. You just made that up. Fuck you. True. Yeah. And uh, so, and that's the, that's the problem with that underground world in a lot of ways. There's no way to prove what you sell stuff for. And it, Yeah. Is that what they say? Whenever you're like, hey, that was. I mean, that's a lot of it. Where if you, if you had a, a website where you retailed these things and that was the number and mm-hmm. there was packaging and you had proof of everything you did to get it in the box and there's, there's, there's numbers to back up that that's what these are worth and this is how they're packaged correctly and all this stuff, right? So can but, you insure it for that number? Does Is that just You can. That there's false? been... You can. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I mean, like, I mean, that's, if you're like, I insured it for $5,000. Okay, so I've never... Actually, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, um, but up to a couple thousand dollars, right? Um, right. I've done it in that... Um, and I've had friends that have collected on it, right? And... Um, but the the process of getting that money back is such a pain in the ass. That it's not worth. It's almost not worth. It. Really? Yeah. Yes. And so you just learn to go way overboard. I understand. Yeah. Um, and that's what I've learned is rather than try to fight that, um, because it's still we're in this weird gray area. It's like there's no such thing as intellectual property in that world. Mm-hmm. There's I can't copyright or patent a design. What are you gonna do? Take somebody to court and say you, he stole my drug paraphernalia design? Yeah. Um, and so it's the wild west still within that making culture. And right. then you're kind of left out a lot of the legal avenues of protecting it and from shipping to copyright and patent and all that. Yeah, just so many loops to jump through. Yeah, so it's, it's, just, it. it's great, though, for someone that is, likes to design progressively. And I don't ever want to do the same thing twice. So by the time I make something, people copy it. I'm 
you know, by the time Apple made the iPhone one, they already had the four developed, you know, and that's the way my philosophy is like, by the time I release something, I'm five steps ahead of you. Go ahead and try to catch up. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm never, you know, I'm never stopping. Yeah. So. Constantly, constantly yeah. evolving. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. But that's my, uh, that's my fucking fancy-ass <laughs> bong story. Uh, <laughs> that was good. Yeah. That was good and also gave me some insight on, on shipping, too, because I thought the how yeah. crazy tedious I that's got to be. I mean, I also hand-delivered that thing because no matter what, I did not want to ship that. Hell yeah, brother. Well, I mean, the other <laughs> trick is to put it on a pallet, right, and strap right. it down to ship it freight to make sure that a forklift has to pick it up because yes. it's a lot less likely to get damaged. If it falls off a fucking forklift, they're paying for it. Yeah. Because it's obvious. Yeah. But it's it, nobody can kick it, nobody can throw it, they can't drop it. It's got to go up and down, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually the safest way to do it. Is just strap it to a pallet and freight it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Um, what uh, What temperature does glass melt, and how hot is your work environment? There's oh, no heaters boy, in there, right? Texas, baby. Texas as well. Yeah. Shit. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure hydration's a thing. Yeah. I have so many fucking questions. Oh yeah. It's we funny. should just I lightning almost, around this. I almost asked you to come to the studio. I was I was sitting there a little earlier, going like, man, I wonder if he's mobile. If he could come here, he probably dig seeing this place. Yeah, my whole house is mobile. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was I telling drive you, my, it's great. I, drive I was my, like. Telling my buddies, it, I was like, I go to this podcast. I'm like, what's it called? It's like my shitty podcast. And they were like, really? I was like, yeah. Then when I found that out, I told them I was in. I was like, yeah. And then I get the text from me, sweet. Yeah, no, I'm in the uh, I'm in the mobile home out for, out front. Yeah. Know? I was like, this just got better, boys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He fucking lives in a goddamn RV. And I was like, here's the address. If I don't contact you in three hours, call the cops. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I was like, I hope it's just a, like a canopy on the back of a pickup truck. This yeah. is going to be sweet. Yeah. No, I actually love this place. It's bigger than my apartment. Awesome. Yeah, that's my uh, last living situation was an actual house, and it was yeah. about the size yeah. of an RV. And I was like, ah, this should be a pretty easy process. Yeah, did, just did you... Is this yours? Are you? Yeah, I lied to the bank. Um, Hell yeah, you did. I went to uh, generatemypaystub.com. and um, you, like, should, you should you should want to be saying this. Is it all yeah, paid off now? It. Okay. Um, kind of, well, it's already done. Like the contract's <laughs> right. already done. Yeah, so too like, late. <laughs> if if I got fired from my quote unquote job, whenever right. they finance me, like they can't. Right. Uh, yeah. They can't pull back. Totally. So um, yeah, I went to generatemypaystub.com or something like that. Something yeah. like fakepaystub.com. Yeah. 17 bucks they pdf this thing mm-hmm. told me to type in some information and they're like this is as if you were making two hundred thousand dollars a year this is what your paycheck would look like you want us to pdf it and i was like yes please God damn, that's great. <laughs> and then i sent that to the bank and they're like all right mr copeland um here you, you go oh, here you go you can have um this luxurious uh rv over here and they gave me like this this right this allowance for like a ridiculous amount that I absolutely couldn't afford. And I was right. like, you know that one that's like yeah. that very low end down there, used 2005? Yeah. That looks pretty good. Yeah. And they're like, okay, you can have all these over here. I was like, like, I understand. Not. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take this used 2005 yep. model. <laughs> yeah. That it's... falls into my budget. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, or I didn't say that out loud, but I was like, yeah. I, I just looking, yeah, you know, this I is just going to be. overboard on my pay stub. Yeah. <laughs> they're getting suspicious now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I probably should have gone maybe somewhere in between, yeah. like, <laughs> um, but yeah that's awesome yeah it was good yeah no I, I love this thing yeah. thanks man yeah, yeah. It, it works for me I took it for a little <laughs> I, I thought whenever I first bought it I, th- I had the um, hopes and dreams of like then I'll just go wherever the fuck I want oh, and yeah. just take it anywhere and just drive it all over the place and I've got my room and board paid for yeah. and that's half the cost of travel right there and then I started 
um, doing that. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, this thing gets eight miles to the gallon. That's yeah. pretty expensive, too. <laughs> yeah, it turns out you're renting the road. So it's a double-edged yeah. sword. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I have a, we actually have a glassblower buddy that has like one of those like Mercedes Sprinter vans. And, those and, are awesome. He comes through here every winter. He just showed up and uh, stays through the winter and works at our studio and then just gets on the road and... and um, it's a great gas mileage, but he had to kind of convert it. It's not, you know, it was just a van. Yeah. Now yeah. it's, it's kind of nicer, but this is great. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I would go maybe smaller next time, honestly. Yeah, you huh? know, like just if, if you're going to like travel, really use it for traveling around, go yes. smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I I stay pretty stationary for the most part. Man, but so. when the revolution comes, man, you're out of here. <laughs> Actually, you're in Texas. You're stay right here. Never mind. <laughs> Yeah. No, I would love to go to. I would love to flee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wait, are you from Texas? I'm from Texas originally. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it's a very non-Texas thing for me to say, but I well, wouldn't mind. You know. Yeah, I'm one of those like guys that moved to Austin that now goes like, yeah, I'm from Texas. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not. I'm like, I know I'm not. Just shut up and let me say it once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't tell everyone. They're buying it. Nobody buys it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, oh, you were asking about glass. Yeah, uh, glass and the temperature. So of... glass. There's a whole bunch of different types of glass, and they all have different melting points. But you're talking a couple thousand degrees minimum for even the softest glass, Jesus. right? Jesus. And then um, my glass is a is one that takes more heat. And so it gets, it starts to move at like, you know, closer to a thousand degrees and it gets molten and workable closer to 2,500. Yeah. And our torches that we use actually put out four to 5,000 degrees. And we work in a way by hand where you can only get this stuff um, arm's length away from you. And so scale wise, what we make isn't huge compared to the other types of glass because the radiant heat is twice as hot and you can't, you're not working from a distance at all. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, so, so let's see, um, that puts the studio about 20 degrees hotter than it is outside. Wow. So in the summers, you can get to 130. Fuck. But, um. That's insane. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you start to get used to it. I mean, when I moved to Austin and I was making my own schedule, I had this Barton Spring schedule that was, that was like, I'm, I'm home. Yeah. Um, you know, um. Get up in the morning, go to work until about, you know, get to work around eight or nine, work until mm-hmm. about two when the heat really soaks into the building. Yeah. And then uh, hit the springs, reset that core temp, go home, take a nap, go back to the studio, do my prep for the next day. Yeah. Go have a couple beers. Yeah. Do it again the next day. Yeah. For those of you Loved uh, it. not in Austin, uh, it, that Barton Springs stays at around, was like 67 degrees, yep. something like Year that? Year round. It's a spring, so, so like it's constantly just a chilly. Which is, or now when it's 30 degrees outside for the weird little winter cold snap we get, it's still 67 degrees. Yeah, you can actually take a plunge if, yeah. you know. It actually feels warm now for yeah. the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. never done that, but I've always told people that. I don't actually know. It's probably still fucking freezing. <laughs> it's, it's cold. <laughs> uh, there's like a New Year's thing where everybody goes yeah. and like jumps in yep. and does the whole. But yeah, I. Yeah, uh, there better be a hot bath like so close. Yeah, I would need to do the. The only time I get got anywhere close to that is like jumping in a, a pool that and also has a hot, a hot tub. tub next yeah. to yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, or hot tub in the snow. Like go to a snow angel real quick and get your pussy ass back in that hot tub real quick. Yeah, yeah. I'll jump in. I'm, I'm, yeah. I can handle it. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, how many cuts do you have? Are you, I imagine I thought That's, your your hands or you know, arms would look like Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, I've got face. some some stupid war wounds that um, 
it's cuts and burns, right? And, cuts and burns, yeah. And um, you just get used to that. I vividly remember the first time I burned myself. It was one of the youngest, like the oldest memories I have. Being yeah. at a campfire and roasting marshmallows with a coat hanger. Uh-huh. And then after we were all done sticking that coat hanger in the fire and pulling it out, and it was red on the end, and I could wiggle it around and get tracers, you know? And I yeah. was like, this is sweet. I'm entertained. And then bringing it close to my face and looking at it and just pinching that red end, like, wow, it's red. And uh, <laughs> that pain that wouldn't go away. And just <laughs> yeah, throbbed. it resonates yeah. there, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, that's it. That's hell. I'm never <laughs> going back there. And now it's a daily occurrence. <laughs> now you, now it's your life, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, luckily, a burn that's at a couple thousand degrees, it's third degree. Like, it just deadens those Yeah, your nerves. nerve endings are, they're gone. are shot. Yeah, and yeah. They're, they're, you got to take good care of them. But luckily, that glass, like I said, it's sterile. Yeah. And so cuts relatively are clean cuts, um, mm-hmm. and um, you disinfect them, and, and uh, cuts heal rather quickly because it's, like it's like a scalpel. Yeah. Um, but the, the burns are what you have to worry about, and every studio is pretty well-versed, and you got your hippie salves everywhere, and, and uh, <laughs> everybody's got an aloe plant. It's the only plant in the glass studio is the aloe. And, yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So um, you get used to it, even though you don't want to. But sure. It's, been not, it's not uncommon to see me with like three or four Band-Aids on my hands at all times. Is that a day's work? Like whenever you get like, I talked to a knife worker and yeah. he was like, if I cut myself, uh, I think it's more than two times. He's like, that's it for the day. Like yeah. I'm going to go ahead and call it a day. So I'll that's probably cut myself a third if I I've t- done it twice already. It's true because I tell that to my students all the time. If you got a bad burn on your fingers, which is what you used to work. Um, you bandage it up, and then you start compensating for the loss of that finger. And you can still blow glass, so you're telling yourself that. But you start making dumber decisions because yeah. you're not using all, everything you're used to. And so you immediately, that's when the bad injuries happen, is after a small one. And so I break that fucking rule all the time. But <laughs> Do um, what, I, what I preach. Yeah, don't uh-huh. uh, do not But do yeah, when that second burn comes, I'm usually like, all right, the springs it is. Yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Not too bad. But, um... The the beautiful part about now having a job for a company is that um, is that the um, my my the R the beautiful R and D workspace we just built is also my studio, um, my personal studio, and uh, we moved into a thirty new third not new but new to us so we bought a thirty thousand square foot warehouse um, just east on seventy one and um, the, the company's called Gravitron or Grav Labs and they're um, an Austin company it's amazing. It's one of the biggest, um, you know, uh, manufacturers um, in the world of the type of work that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, uh, this new studio came with air conditioning, and Whoa. so it took us six months to get it all worked out. But that whole six months, which I normally would have thrown a tantrum, but not me just going like, I'm getting an air conditioned studio in Texas. Yeah, fuck you. I've been I'm doing this way cool too long. This. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'll catch up on all the Netflix stuff I haven't binged on for this last six months. <laughs> um, but we just got that studio up and going again. And now it's the struggle of getting re, like, that inspiration back. It's like, oh, I can blow glass anytime I want. I don't want to make anything because I'm just not in that mode yet. Yeah. This happens every time I take a little break. Yeah. So it's this weird struggle of frustration of like having everything there and not knowing what to do with it. Yeah, you got to get re-inspired. Yeah. You can't just uh, manufacture yeah. that feeling. It'll come back. Yeah. But, um, but the new studio is, is great. I'll have you over there sometime. You'll Please, yeah. I'd yeah. love to come check it out, yeah. man. We may have to do like a follow-up episode or something. Yeah, we'll have to do it from the glass studio as I make you fucking make glass hot. Do you want to do it? Yeah, man? dude. Anytime. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. I yeah. think we just did it. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to kick our podcast back up, too, and um, we'll, we'll try to do a little. We'll get oh, you on there. We should collab. Yeah, it'd be great. 
dude, that yeah. would be amazing. You'll love it. We well, do we do a kind of a subculture pipe based podcast. Um, awesome. With a, a very famous glass blower locally that um, um, is my kind of co host on that, and we we uh, put about three episodes up, and then you know realized we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it takes a lot more work and um, not work, but um regularity and getting this as part of your lifestyle not yeah. just something you do right? yeah the, the the key you said it was is regularity yeah. like just just keeping always, yeah. keeping a schedule uh i had to i had to get kind of militant with like yeah. release dates and oh, i'll skip a few and then yeah. get a few more then i'll stack a few up and now like and when, my, when we were doing it we were both traveling so much on different orbits and tough, now he's got more of a family life and i've i've taken a little bit of a back seat and working with this company so life's a little more stable and i think we can actually really do it because we both loved it i'm a podcast junkie awesome man um, yeah so, yeah i love this thanks so much for having me yeah me. yeah you're segging segueing really well right into um, if we didn't go over anything uh, mm. that you wanted to talk about or a public service announcement for like misconsumption yeah, yeah. or like a, a, a miss, uh, let's see, something that people like often assume from you or uh, something that people don't grasp. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't have to be profound or anything. Well, no, I I hit a lot of it. You know, it's, um, but you know, here's a couple of things. And I guess if um, if you're unfamiliar with, with uh, either the what we've been talking about with the glass and the glass pipes, there's um, a good friend of mine made a great documentary a couple years ago that really goes into that subculture. Yeah. It was on Netflix for a while. It's called uh, Degenerate Art. Um, uh, I think it's on Venmo or YouTube or something now. You can probably go, not Venmo, that's cash. What is it? What's the other uh, one? Vimo. Vimo. Is it Vimo? It's, it's, everybody else knows what we're talking about. Yeah, everybody's um, screaming at the, yeah, uh, like, at the radio or me. iPhone right now. <laughs> yeah, like, um, it's this, you fucking idiots. Yeah. You old men. <laughs> you know. old, old oh, bastards. God. What are the kids doing these days? <laughs> um, on, the, on the my face? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah, you got to go to my live journal and there's a link. Um <laughs> <laughs> so uh, either that, and then my Instagram is my name Micah M I C A H Glass, and I'm sure that'll be attached to this somehow. But um, yes. if you're interested in my work, that's the best place to get it. And my website is dead because Instagram is just it's just it's not as static. But um, but uh, yeah, if you if if at all you're curious about what we've been talking about, those two places are a really really good place to start. Great man, yeah. awesome, awesome. Um, and then sometimes the the podcast can get really heavy. Um, this one didn't necessarily get to like yeah. death. And, that's for the second and, one. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, I, got, I got so much of that shit. <laughs> do you really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sweet, man. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Uh, I can't wait to do this again. Yeah. Um, and thank you so much for coming on. I know oh. it took like a, a bit. You were opening your studio. Yeah. And we played like tag with email for a long time. So I'm glad we actually pulled down the hammer and, yeah. and got to it. No, this was great. I can't thank you enough. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, as as a parting, uh, traditionally we always end with a poop story. My shitty podcast. Okay. Um, have you ever pooped your pants? God, I gotta narrow this down. Afraid? Yeah. Um, okay. I know. For me, I'm like I've got three pretty solid ones I can. I mean, or that's uh, yeah. To, pardon the pun. Actually, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Are you gonna say it or am I? Uh, I've, got, <laughs> I've got three shitty stories. I guess is what I should. have Okay. Said. So non-solid ones. I'm gonna go back to one of the. One of those fetal position memories in yeah. high school. <laughs> yeah. And you think back and you're like, oh, that. So um, it's my freshman year uh -huh. in high school. And we go to the, the PE class, just the physical whatever education class. And um, I uh, show up for the first day, my shorts, 
uh, I'm a late bloomer, so I was carrying a lot more weight back then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, just this chubby kid, round face kid. And uh, <laughs> I look up, and it's um, junior. There's there's a pack of six junior and senior girls that somehow had to retake PE, and they got put in the freshman class. Oh, no. And they no. are the popular girls, right? No. Of course, yeah. And we're just all over there, like... Like, hormones are still, for me, they're still kicking in, and I'm just like, oh, God, this is going to be fucking horrible. Yeah. Like, this is the best thing ever. Are you yeah, kidding this, me? This yeah. This is amazing slash terrible. This yeah. is amazing uh-huh. slash terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, like, me and my buddies, we haven't even had a chance to talk about it yet because we're there. We're, like, looking at each other like, I can't wait till this is over so we can talk about this. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but immediately, like, back then, we had to do all these, like, physical fitness tests where you see how many pull-ups you can do. Yeah. You know, you got to see how many sit-ups you can do, whatever. And so yeah. they, they pair us up for the sit-ups and... Yeah, uh, and we're there. Uh, I, I hold my my feet for my buddy, and because he, we're all just trying to impress these girls now, and he's he's like the, uh, the um, the. Uh, I'm already dying. Yeah, yeah, you're already dying. <laughs> you know, he was like uh, ended up being the running back, super jock. So he's just already built. He's already got like a 12 pack, and you know, we're 15, and he's yeah. just hammering out these sit ups. You know, making this eye young contact Adonis as he's doing it. Yeah, you know, and then great cheese on his yeah, abs. and we're surrounded by him. Somehow we got in the middle of the pack, right? And so we swap places, and I'm just like, okay, if there's ever a time to get your fucking Superman strength, this is it. <laughs> And so I am in the gymnasium, and it's just, as they say, go, and everything gets dead quiet because everybody's just trying to do their fucking sit-ups, right? Yeah. And so we're just, we're just, I'm just grunting it out, <laughs> trying to do these sit-ups, you know? And it's getting, he's starting to count down, and I've been doing fucking great, yeah. but now it's getting tough, you know, shit is burning, <laughs> and I am just stuck halfway up with five seconds left just trying to squeeze this last one out as the biggest fart I've ever let go in my life. <laughs> comes out of me because i everything is clenched right and now you got to think of my little 160 pounds all all of the weight is pushing my butt cheeks to this to this floor and we talked about the that reverberation that glass sends down your fingers and everybody felt this every ass felt this in the room the epicenter was your asshole. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, and so that was it. I think I just died a little inside telling that story. But I don't know if there's any shit. I'm sure there was. I didn't stick around to find out. The, you know? the audible sound enough is, yeah. is a shit story. I feel like like that. That is pretty shitty. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> oh yeah, good times. Oh my god, story of my life. That's right great. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Micah, thank you so much, man. Yeah. Uh, that's it for us. Place out, shitty. You Ukulele. <laughs> you did great, man. Awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> 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 I love the projectile fart. Like, <laughs> <laughs>